everyone welcome to another episode of people's stories i'm your host priyanka and today we are going to speak to mr tobias brink who's heading the compensation and benefits function at one of the multinational organizations called krig levy and he is based out of sweden also he is my former boss In this episode we've spoken about a lot of topics compensation and benefits related we've also spoken about how AI is impacting this particular industry what can you expect your regular work day to look like how can you get into this particular areas what are some typical challenges that you would face in this area and how can you overcome them we've had a lot of fun recording this particular episode and i have personally taken a lot of takeaways for myself i hope you also enjoy listening to it as much as i did we've also tried to divide this entire episode into categories which you can see as chapters in the episode so feel free to guide yourself to a specific chapter if you find that topic interesting thank you so much for tuning in and let's get right into it now I'm super happy to have you uh, for everybody who does not know Tobias has been my former manager and so um it's it's really interesting to talk to you about your past experiences and you know how you've come over here and in terms of like what his experience has been Tobias has started working as a tax associate at Deloitte and has worked his way through becoming the head of uh, compensation and benefits at Krivlevi in Sweden right now and uh, we are going to get into much more details of your professional journey but let's start with you know with you as a person so how would you like to introduce yourself and where are you coming from um i would introduce myself as uh, quite a lot of i am born and raised on a football pitch i would say so i'm born outside a quite small city called Uddevalla in on the west coast of Sweden which is fairly close to to Gothenburg so grew up there with my my two siblings my mom and dad uh, and basically spent all my time that I had on various football pitches uh, all around uh, that area so grew up in um, in that small city moved away when i was around 20 moved to france uh, and then from france back to sweden one small journey to to brussels in belgium and then to ending up in in Stockholm after that so that's uh, a little bit where i where i come where i'm coming from yeah i saw sort of remember our conversation that we had about uh football here in germany and how you were like you know you should go and see one of the football matches uh and and where that passion is coming from so uh it's really interesting to see how interested you are in football and how you associate yourself to that you know um i think you also mentioned about you being the coach of your daughters right Exactly so right now I'm I'm spending time on various uh, football pitches uh, all around Stockholm uh, coaching my my daughter's team so a bunch of 10 year old girls uh trying to get them exactly. through going quite well actually we had a game earlier today so that was fun uh, so you you learn a lot as a as a person and as a father i guess uh when you when you get to see your kids in in those kinds of environments and see them grow and see them compete and see them Well, both succeed and fail so do you remember like one of your like super proud moments out of this i i would say one of my most proud moments around my daughter and her team is just the fact that she came home and said i want to play play football and i was like what do you uh sure i'm i watch a lot of football and i'm always watched a lot of football but she has never ever really had that kind of uh in- interest um and none of her friends play football 
So it basically come from right out, out of the blue that she wanted to play football. So we had to like, where can she even play football close by? So we, we found a team and she is now, she's been playing for almost a year and she's made all her friends at school start playing as well. So she made her, all her closest friends to, to be interested as well. So I guess that that's a very proud moment where, where she comes home and says she want to play football from out of the blue and then she just does it. And uh, then I became the coach and then she brought all her friends to play football as well. So I think that that's a proud moment. I think you're not trying to take the credit, but then it has to come from you, you know, like the, I'm sure the genes are there. <laughs> and so that the interest is coming from there. Yeah. Uh, my dad is the same thing. So I, I grew up on a football pitch right by my, right um, by, by the side of my dad as well. And my brother played and my sister played and, so a real football family. So it's difficult. And as when we visit our, my family with my, with, with my family, then it's, uh, everyone all around there also plays football. So my cousins, my sister's husband plays football. So it's, it's a lot of football all around our family. So it's difficult not to get the interest, I guess. <laughs> it's interesting to see like how, you know, how all do you get influenced? Like it might not be a direct influence that you have on your kids, for example, but then, She's seeing so much of football around her, you know. So it definitely has an influence on her. And and I think that it's really it's really good as well to to play football. I've learned a lot. Um, coming back to the, my my like professional career, I have a lot to thank uh, football and um, being part of teams and also being trying to succeed on an individual level as well. So I think that that background has shaped me a lot and uh, has given me a lot of. Uh, strengths uh, and a lot of things that I've been able to to take with me also in my more professional career even though I, I didn't succeed becoming a professional football player um, I still got to I brought a lot of things with me from yeah. from football into my, my professional life as well so that, that's I, mean, I uh, that you are a you are a good professional in general, so I'm, I'm sure you've taken a lot of things from there. But what has been your biggest takeaway from like your football journey? I think from quite early age, being assessed and being reviewed on everything you do. Um, with that starting very, very early on, you develop some sort of calmness uh, towards stressful situations. Uh, I think that that's one of my biggest strengths as a professional is I'm, I'm, I'm managing to stay calm in basically all uh, kinds of situations. Uh, and I think that that comes a lot from having been pushed towards uh, assessments uh, and performances from, from a very early age uh, and having to develop a, a, um, a way of handling that. I think that that's, that's one of the things that I've, that I, thinking or cherish the most from from my my football career and how would you typically handle that kind of stress like do you have some some kind of uh i don't know advice in terms of you know how can you keep your because i i can totally say that you are like one of the most calm persons i have <laughs> experienced in my professional career so what do you do to remain that so calm uh, if you if you find if you see me stressed one time uh, or in the office, then then something's really bad going to happen, I guess. So up until that moment, um, 
No, but I think that I'm, I'm quite comfortable in myself uh, that I will be able to solve most things that comes up. I, I am, and it's not that I don't think that I, I, it will go easy, but I, I, I have a tendency to to be able to see that okay, this is this is how we solve it, and then then I get quite comfortable in okay, I know that's a lot of work behind it, but I I can put down that work in order to to get it done. So in all situations uh, that I've been put towards, I think that. I have um, a a possibility to to just solve it uh, with a lot of hard work, uh, but it's usually solved. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I mean, basically breaking things down into like smaller parts, and then so it does not look like so overwhelming to begin with. Exactly. And as long as not someone is uh, going to jail or is about to die, I think that it's perfectly. It's kind of fine. Fine. We're going to solve most things. Uh, but when we have prison or deaths in the <laughs> in the calculation, then then it's bad. Uh, yeah, I had yeah. one of those cases where prison actually was on the <laughs> on the consequences side. So then then I was actually a bit stressed in that in that situation where we where where prison could have been a a uh, potential outcome of that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, sometimes just stepping back and seeing like the bigger picture, it it helps a lot because, you know, like everything that we do looks very, very important to us. But if you like look from a higher view, then you will see like, you know, it's like what kind of impact it's going to have. Like that becomes um, an important criteria in seeing how stressful you should be about those things. And so um, I would like to I would like to kind of move in the direction of professional career now that we are talking about a lot of professional uh, stuff anyways so the idea of this podcast is basically to kind of create more awareness around this particular profession which is compensation and benefits and you also bring like a lot of other related um, expertise like tax so let's talk about you know um, from that perspective of you started working at Deloitte as a tax associate and you have moved your way up to become like the global compensation and benefits head at a at a big uh, multinational company so how did this experience look like like how did you start and how was the transition like i would say that i've always been tax associate i, w- I worked within individual taxation and uh, a lot of expats uh, so, so that's basically where i kicked off my my professional career when when joining deloitte back in the 12 years ago now or something like that um, but through that work, you got to see expats are generally very uh, senior employees who are being sent around the, the world to to help out big multinational companies. So when you help them from a taxation kind of perspective, then you also get to see different kinds of compensation schemes. You get to see different benefits. You get to see uh, different types of incentive programs, both long-term incentive plans, short-term incentive plans, commissions, uh, equity schemes. Um, so by my tax background, I got to see all of these uh, quite interesting uh, areas. And from I was a bit intrigued by, okay, how can, why are you providing this kind of compensation or why did you provide this term type of long-term incentive plan or why do you have those kind of benefits? How do you, why do you offer these to, to these individuals? And what is it that, that 
gets them to enjoy them in a way and what, how can you connect that to performance so i think that that's where my interest for for compensation benefits started so even though it was from a taxation point of view uh or as a tax associate and then tax consultant did the whole big four kind of steps up to to manager uh, at deloitte uh before leaving so uh, i developed a an interest for for compensation and benefits and at deloitte we also had a more of a total rewards group uh which i joined which was not from a taxation point but also more from maybe more of an eight or compensation kind of perspective so already at deloitte i started moving towards compensation and benefits and then taking on my next role at SAS, which was a bit in the uh, in between finance and HR. I was I was based out of the, the group control function at SAS, but working uh, towards HR quite a lot and working towards finance quite a lot. So a little bit in, in the middle there. So I got to see the financial side of, okay, how is this impacting uh, our P&L? How is what are the costs related to to these initi- initiatives that we that we're doing? How is the uh, the union negotiation? What can we do in terms of uh, when at SAS there's always a, a cost savings program? Um, so how can we make a better kind of compensation structure within certain groups and still still offer a good kind of uh, place to work and a good compensation? Even though we need to reduce the compensation in a way or or another in order to to save money for for the company, so that was extremely valuable to to see compensation and benefits from a little bit different perspective compared to how you may might look at it from an uh, maybe an HR perspective. So see the cost side of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is like one of the biggest challenges as well that people generally in compensation space face. Because it's like you are kind of in between like the company strategy and the employee's uh, benefit. And so can you share like one of your experiences where you faced like a challenge in this area? And how did you um, handle that situation? I think a lot of this kind of work is you need to have trust from, uh, from your different stakeholders. So I think that to build trust, even though it's from the CEO, it's from the unions, it's from um, the, the normal employees, it's from from managers or whatever your stakeholders are. I think that that's, if you gain the trust from the different stakeholders and able to be transparent in what you're doing, I think that then that's, uh, that, that's the key to many things. Uh, so be able to a little bit juggle trust between different stakeholders who have different perspectives that that's the key to solve many things and at SAS we had a, that kind of a, not much trust between maybe the employees or unions and the, the employer so we had a situation with a a um, payroll system which was switched so with the switch of uh, payroll system also the the vacation days how to calculate them for people working in shifts were changed to the downside for the employees so the unions and the employees felt that they we that the employer had like blindsided them a bit and in order to save money because it was less beneficial how that new system calculated the vacation days for them so and how do you then 
how do you redo that and how do you re- regain the trust from from employees from unions that okay now we need to fix it it wasn't our intention to uh to have a like a different way of calculating the vacation days that came up a little bit as a surprise for everyone but the trust was broken and they felt that okay you're 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 not taking this seriously and you're just trying to save money which wasn't really the case but they didn't matter how many times you had to say that we didn't this wasn't our intention we will do everything we can to fix it so so that was a huge challenge and there was uh, more than a thousand employees concerned around here so you had to regain the trust from a thousand employees and the union representatives and to to come up with a solution that okay now we feel that we're being fairly compensated for this new way of, of calculating the vacation days so that was a a real challenge but we managed to, by uh, providing almost individual kind of let individual calculations and individual letters to each and every of the employees, and we were able to automate that and send it out and do the corrections. And we managed to get the union representatives on our side saying that this the the company has actually really really tried to to um, to fix this. And to compensate you for, for the change, because it wasn't the intention to do the, this like negative change for, for the employees. So by gain, by being extremely transparent with exactly how everything was calculated, exactly how each and every individual were compensated and being able to show that to every employee made us very successful in regaining the trust. And after that, we had a, great relationship and a mutual understanding for, th- for things within uh, within that space. But that was uh, a real challenge, which was uh, ended ended well this time. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that because in terms of compensation benefits, like my personal experience is that it's such a sensitive topic for like everybody who's involved um, that you have to be like super careful. And I think communication strategy like is super, super important. And also like the timing of communication. So if you communicate something like two days later, it has no more, like it no more holds the same value as, you know, if you would have communicated like two days earlier. So I think what you are communicating, how you are communicating and when you are communicating like all of these three things become super important. Um, and if you can individualize and given like now we have a lot of AI and you can do a lot of customization and, you know, like those kind of things, just basically using all of that to your benefit uh, usually helps a lot. Um, one more thing that I was interested in your previous experience is um, that I see that you've worked with like international mergers and acquisitions. And um, from what I understand, so when you have to kind of combine like the comp strategy of like two companies together and if the companies are like both the companies are big and they have like established compensation strategies it becomes like a a little challenging that way as well so if you could shed some light on you know how your experience was there and um you know how did that transition look like because it's a it's a big project from my understanding it, it is a really big project uh to merge companies and extremely important for for the both companies i would say because both or at least the acquiring company spends a lot of money in uh, acquiring another company and for some would you have as a company chosen to acquire this company for a reason they want the 
the staff or they want some what of the product or, or and see a a strategy or have a strategy to to use that company's strengths and if you don't handle the the people in a correct way or in a good way uh, then there's a risk that the entire acquisition will fail so i, I think that the the compliment side of uh, of an m a is maybe the not Maybe not the first thing that companies look at. They they start when looking at the a merger or an acquisition. Then the people around it is not the first thing that they look at. They look at okay, this company something or a company we want to acquire. But second to that, I would say that the people is extremely important to to keep happy. And I think also that um, a little bit referring back to what I just said from my my previous experience that we experience with. Being transparent and being very honest in in what you're doing. This is exactly the same when when having a, an acquisition and moving people into another company because people generally don't like change and especially not change that they can't control. Um, and when you're being acquired by another company, people have thousands of questions: What's going to happen to my role? What will I be doing? How will my uh, conversation be? Will I be laid off? What, what's going to happen? We have an entirely new company, which we don't know. What's going to happen with our culture? What's going to happen with uh, our like Friday fikas or whatever it might be? So very small questions as well, which are big for, for, for them, please. So that is a, I would say, a, a huge challenge when doing the acquisitions. And it's quite often that acquisitions aren't very successful just because of that, um, that you lose the employees. Uh, and what the complex thing of, of it is that, especially when you acquire companies who have presence in different uh, countries. So we have, what we did with the, one of the acquisitions we did, we had employees in three, four, five, six, seven different countries. Okay. How do we make sure that we are? that we're seeing each and every one of these individuals in those countries and make sure that we, from that country's perspective, is doing it in a good way. So to, and I want to come back a little bit to the transparency here that, okay, we're not here to do anything. We're not here to, to harm anyone or to do, to make anyone's life worse than it was before, because we do want to do, have it as a successful kind of uh, project. And my, so being extremely transparent in this, and as you were into as well with, with communication, when to communicate, how to communicate, there is always space to, to do things much better than you do. You can always develop, you can always communicate better, you can always gain people's trust a bit better with the communication that you send out. Um, but maybe my biggest lesson from these kind of projects are to, get the the founders or the the top management of the company that you're acquired to get them on your side because uh, the employees they trust usually at least or generally they trust their senior management they trust their founders mm -hmm. and if you can get them to to really buy into that and be a little bit of a spokesperson towards the employees i think that that then you have gained a lot of uh things because then if if the man senior leaders of the company you are acquiring speaks for you, 
then it's much easier to gain the trust from from the employees and say that okay this is uh this is a fair kind of process that we're running here and um also i think from an operational perspective like generally um you would have to kind of compare like okay what kind of compensation strategy and philosophy do we have like in one of the companies and as you said like there are many countries um, most of the times the benefits or the compensation could look like country specific as well and if the other company that's kind of being acquired or merged has like different kind of philosophy or they have different different benefits sometimes it could also be that there's not a balance between you know what's offered here and what's offered there like would you would you have any advice on typically how to handle that situation where let's say the the compensation and benefit strategy is not like the same and sometimes also not balanced yeah and i um, do your do your homework i would say uh, and to really review each country and to like write down okay what do they actually offer in the company that we are acquiring and do on like a side by side comparison okay how does it look where are we better where are we worse where do we need to compensate where do we need to like be kind of tough and remove something or and where can we can we compare that to something that we offer uh, on our side instead so i think that and also as like coming back to the transparency when you've done this and when you have um when you have come to a decision saying, okay, this is, let's say, for example, we do, we're acquiring a company with employees in Germany. Okay. In Germany, the company we're acquiring offers this. We are offering this and then have almost on a row by row, um, like detail. Okay. How is this? Is this a beneficial move for the employee or is it, uh, to some extent, a less beneficial? How do we do to, to compensate or how do we, communicate around the change are we thinking okay we will you will lose this benefit but instead you're gaining this benefit we take them out and as said get get the the uh, the senior leaders of the company or the founders or whomever it might be but the ones that the employees listen to get their approval to okay this is a fair process this is how we have done it and then be able to communicate that towards the employees that this is this is exactly how it looks, and this is exactly how we have been thinking. This is how we will communi- uh, compensate you. This is your new compensation. This, these are your new benefits. Uh, we know that it looked differently before, but we have thought that this way of compensating, this way of mediating the uh, uh, the difference, is is um, how we would go about. And when you have that, and like both my company then and the other company when we have like a, a set list of okay this is this is what we believe is a, is a good transition then you communicate that and respond to each of the employees questions around it okay but I'm, I'm losing two days of vacation or I'm losing my gym membership okay but instead we're having this and uh, you get weekly feedbacks uh, <laughs> something yeah. like that uh, from a Swedish company so so, so that's uh, uh, but it, it's a huge challenge and something that shouldn't be overlooked at all and and be uh, be available always, I would say as well don't hide behind uh, like behind processes or behind something else that be very open saying that this is this is me because it's always kind of 
it's easier when people get a, a face on someone instead of just emails. Yeah. Because if if they get a face on someone, they've heard that person speak. They like then they can relate to that person much better than if they just get emails or they just see a name or in like spreadsheets or whatever it might be. So yeah, be very like be visible. I would say as well. I have actually been surprised like so many times that we've had like very heated conversations on emails on like written conversation. But then whenever we've gotten into like a call with that same person, it has always been like super bellow <laughs> in compared to how it was written. So it's basically adding to your point of adding a face to that, you know, that conversation. And that becomes like, yeah, there's a person behind this, you know, like somebody's caring about this whole conversation. So I think that I think that that can be yeah that can be translated into many areas as well just especially when you work with multinational teams um like the importance of meeting and doing things together I think you, you can't really underestimate that um th those things that, that you should always do that because when you are in a situation where like or it's you have a limited budget or you have don't have the time to do things you have met this person who you're arguing with. You have been on a dinner or a lunch or an afternoon or, or whatever it might be. You know that this person don't have bad intentions. So I think that that physical meeting or at least to have a face on someone is, is super important in, in many uh, aspects of, of the professional life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this actually brings me to my next topic, which is around comp and ben in general. So when we when we say when we look at this comp and ben space, like if you look from an outside perspective, usually it talks like your roles and responsibilities look like you take care of compensation philosophy and benchmark like salary benchmarking, compensation bans, the entire annual compensation review process and then benefits, etc. How do you see this space? Like do you see it? this is it or or you would like to add like more things to it because I know there are more things to it. Uh, I would say there's a lot of more things to it uh, which I think there are there are aspects which I which I think is or areas which I think is the responsibility of an employee of, of an employer and that is also to to take care of of its employees and that's both caring of the, the employees but also very selfish because we want or the company wants the employees to be healthy and um, and be good employees, basically. So I, I would say that, especially the benefits when it comes to taking care of employees also when they have the difficult situations, uh, being on prolonged sick leave or having um, having uh, a difficult time in uh, in their private life, and to be able to offer a good. Um, like palette of uh, things around that that will help you in those difficult times. I think it is super important that you have a good, you're not cutting back on on good insurances, taking care of employees when they are sick, because we want them to to be uh, to be good employees to be able to come back. And that would add that kind of employer responsibility. Uh, which I think goes a little bit further than just the paying a salary, because uh, there are people you—it's people you're working with, and there's people working for you as a as a company. So I think that yes, of course, we're going to do comp and ben core things, which is 
compensation reviews. It's going to be bonus uh, agreements and bonus calculations, maybe. Um, it's going to be incentive plans and, and all of that. But I think that, yes, that's that's the core of it. But it's also a, a responsibility to be able to take care of employees when, when things happen. Um, that you have a good life insurance for your employees. Uh, that you have, uh, if something happens to your employee and like the worst thing could happen, that you then have a, a way of taking care of the employee and the employee's family in those situations. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, that's one thing with comp and band, which I, I enjoy. And also that, okay, pension, super important that you also take care of the employee when he or she has says, stopped working, that mm. we have a proper pension plan. Uh, for our employees, so they have like a safe space also after their uh, their professional career. Yeah, and I mean, I I just add like one more specific conditions is like relocation cases where when employees like moving from one country to the other country for work related reasons, and that also is like super daunting sometimes because you know you don't know the ways in that country. So I think that's also something that kind of adds to the complexities and where you have to be careful about you know how the employee is being managed in general. Um, and so, Tobias, can you talk about your typical work day, just to paint a picture of, you know, how does it look like? What do you take care of, like, on a general day? A normal working day. Um, don't think I've ever had one. Um, but I would say taking care of uh, a lot of things. My old manager that I had before uh, joining Klarna was that I was uh, named the global head of shit sandwiches, uh, my informal title, because there is things popping up from everywhere which you need to take care of. Uh, but more of a, a normal working day, I would say to to depends on. The, I I work quite a lot in like projects. I would say so. We have a project for equal pay. Or we have a project doing the conversation review. Or we have a project la- uh, launching a equity scheme. So. When those projects are like when when you work quite a lot with those kind of projects, then a usual day is to to make sure that okay that you have everything uh, up that you have everything in place in order to to deliver on it. So I would say that taking care of all the admin things around uh, an easy thing could be okay. Now we're going to launch a new equity scheme. Okay, do we have all employees? Uh, do we have all employees uh, in our systems? Do we have the right data for, uh, around the, those employees? Have we managed the communication in a good way? Do we know that the managers out in the organization have um, have uh, knowledge about the equity scheme, that, that which of their employees that they are in this kind of equity scheme? Um, making sure that okay, all documents that we have are in place reviewing like can we do more can we provide more easy information around these these uh, specific topics or reviewing um the documents that goes out for employees like faqs like agreements uh appendixes uh, and all of that uh and also uh, managing the communication in the project group basically the stakeholders okay an equity scheme usually Concerns okay that concerns the the senior leadership of the company because it's usually that you need to have contacts with legal you need to have contacts with the uh, with the uh, CEO uh, CFO the uh, the board the shareholder those things always are 
being the spider in the net in all of these uh, pro uh, projects. And I would say it's fairly similar in all of a comp and ben kind of project. So if you do the uh, compensation review, for example, then it's also, it's also the same things that I've just spoken about for an equity. You are the spider uh, a little bit in the middle to, to make sure that everything is handled. You are responsible for the communication towards the employees. You're responsible towards the communication to the managers that they feel informed. You're responsible towards the CEO or CFO to make sure that, okay, you're, you're, you're following the budgets, you're allocated the budget and, and all of, uh, like the communications out to the employees. I would say that a normal working day is a little bit managing all of those. Yeah. And, um, one thing that's coming to my mind is like, as you're saying that, uh, typically like parallelly, we are working on like multiple projects at the same time. And so when, let's say you, you already are like at a senior position and you have like, a, like some people reporting to you, um, you like possibly you cannot, it's not possible for you to get into like the nitty gritties of everything, but then you have to sign everything off, you know, being like the senior leader and all of this data is like super sensitive. Some of them are like legally bounding as well. How would you manage that situation typically where, you know, you, even though you cannot get into like the details. You have to be sure about what's being signed off and what's being sent. Yeah, how would I? I think that's one of my strengths. I'm a big generalist, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to surround myself with people who are better than me in things where I'm not as good. And being into the nitty gritty details might not be my strength, um, but I'm quite good at having an overall kind of understanding of, okay, it should look roughly like this and if it doesn't if it goes a bit outside of how i picture it then i can quite easily uh like note that something isn't really right so again tying it back to like the initial point where you mentioned the thing about trust so basically you trust your team like in that sense i'm i'm, I'm looking at my my leadership or how how my leadership looks it's it's very a trusting kind of leadership i would say that i i choose to trust all everyone around me up until they they made me regret it. I'm trying to be very available and come with my input and always be around uh but not being like trying not to engage too much uh in in the work that's been been done instead trusting that okay if if you face uh, like challenges or or difficulties throughout this project, I'm always there to be able to support and to help. But if you don't say anything, I trust that you will do the work that you you signed up for. Um, but I, I guess that's that's how I'm managing it. Hmm. I think that's a good way as well. Like given. I mean, um, I can just say that given that there are so many things that you would be working on, it's just humanly not possible to anyways get into everything so um i think this is one of the best tactical strategies to just hire like the best people and then start by trusting them and then most often more often than not people generally deliver because they are also like you know i have to give my best work and people generally have this work ethics with them so um i think it should generally work but then yeah as you said unless you have to have you've you've had to regret it <laughs> no and a little bit to that as well is that I think in 
your professional life, there will always be situations where you don't have time to deliver a fantastic result. You need to be able to to decide, okay, is this something where we can be good enough with the things that we deliver? Or is this a project where everything really needs to be like flawless and everything needs to be perfect to be able to have that, okay, now we don't have the time. Is this super important that it that we need to review this a hundred times more? Or is it that something, okay, it's good enough. We can we can release it because it's it's fairly okay. I think that that's one of the key aspects as well when you are in a very uh like when there's a lot of things to do to be able to say okay when is enough enough uh okay we deliver on a really really high level but we don't have to deliver on like world record level every time because that won't be be doable we we're fine with the european record uh something <laughs> Yeah, I mean, totally. I think it's it's basically categorizing and like urgent, important, and uh, then try to prioritize based on that. Um, also, the, the, the deli- deliverability part, like, you know, how much, what quality result do you want to... Uh, so if it's prison down the line, if it's prison down the line, then we need to be very, very good. <laughs> then we can't leave anything. Um, yeah. Yesterday only where it was like, you know, how much do you focus on what you are delivering? Because of course, like, you can produce world, as you're saying, like the best quality work, but that will take time. And then you have to prioritize other things as well. So um, I think that skill definitely helps a lot um, in those kind of uh, situations. And um, Tobias, because you are leading like a, a big team and you're working in a multinational um, organization with a lot of people. How are you seeing like the trends in the compensation and benefits space? And, you know, are you seeing like some specific area that we are kind of heading towards? I, I think it's a very interesting time right now because there's so many things happening. Just taking the the pandemic that we that we basically lived through and but we changed the way of of how we work. Um, now more and more companies want the employees to come back to the offices. And most employees don't want to come back to the offices or at least not uh, five days a week like it was before. So I think a lot of things comes like, how do we, how do we manage that? How, how do we keep the, the companies happy? How do we keep the employees happy? What do we need to do in order to, to have a, like a good working environment for, for both, the comp- both the employers and the employees uh, in a good way? And I think many... Uh, where a lot of companies, I would say, all basically struggle in how to find a good balance. And uh, uh, so I think that that's one of the trends to, to continue to work on, okay, how should that balance look? What is the best for both the employers and the employees? Um, and I don't, that's not a, there's no, not one answer to that topic, of course. And it will differ depending on what kind of company you are. And it's like, obviously, um, the, the launch of uh, ChatGPT last year has really just uh, exploded the 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 ways and will change the way we work as well and how we can uh, take take on that and really benefit from it. Uh, I would say, and that's something that will come more and more, uh, even though it's already exploded in in a way. 
Um, apart from that, I also think that with the um, equal pay, kind of the new directive, which would be the pay transparency directive, I think that that will focus on, and uh, there will be a lot of focus on, like, on those topics, which I think is really good. Uh, I think we can then everything in the director might not be fantastic for employers. It will be difficult. It will be a bit challenging. Just like, how should we present the, the data in a good way so it's not uh, misinterpreted? Uh, and how, but the, the fact that the directive has put this area like on a priority list for company, uh, like, and we're able to get the management to listen as well. Because before a lot of compliment, uh, like divisions have tried to lift these kind of, uh, discussions, but maybe the, the response hasn't been fantastic all the time that, okay, yeah, let's work on that. Uh, let's put something in our annual report that we're doing equal, uh, work as well. But now with the directive, that's really that will help, uh, that kind of development, I think. It has become uh, a mandate now. So. <laughs> Exactly. It has to be done. So whether you like it or not, uh, in the different executive... Good to have. It's like a must-have. <laughs> exactly. So I think that that's, that's really uh, good. And then, like, I think a lot of things ties into these three kind of areas. But how we... What kind of benefits should we... Uh, it's like, is it enough with pension, some insurances? Or, or what do... Like, getting people back to the office... Uh, or employees back to the office. Okay. What kind of, uh, what kind of benefits should we, uh, should we provide? And all the, it's like ESG kind of related topics, uh, given the, the um, climate change, uh, discussions, which are on everyone's, uh, agendas, I guess. So I think that yeah. those can, from, from that point of view, how can we change the benefits? What kind of, Looking at Sweden, for example, where the pension funds are, well, pensions are invested, uh, the amounts which we pay in, uh, I think it's 60 million euros a day or something, which is, uh, contributed into private or into occupational pensions in Sweden. It's, it's like a ridiculously high amount. How can those, how can we invest those money in a good way so that it actually comes to, to some sort of good use and i think the companies who start looking at okay how do we want our employees uh, pension money to be invested what kind of policy we should we have how should we do that and also the the providers how should we and uh, be good in this area so that's also like uh, some sort of trend i guess yeah i totally agree and um i think personally like this is my personal opinion that for example, around the pay transparency, like to begin with, it's going to be complicated because that has not been the way companies have generally operated. But I think like just if looking at it five years down the line, I think it's just going to make things much more simpler because, you know, this is how it is like for, I mean, we'll come to a state where it'll be like, okay, this is how it is. This is how it is for this particular company. This is where we are placing ourselves. And then employees can take their call on, you know, whether to join or not. And also like, I think in general, it'll be good for the employees in general, because, you know, you'll basically lift the whole space like a little bit because everybody will be like fighting for competition and those kind of things. So I think it'll just make it easier. Um, and how do you see AI playing a role? Like, do you see AI taking up compensation jobs as well? 
probably. Um, I don't think I would be out of work. Um, I think there's, uh, but there's tons of different like admin uh, tasks. Like, okay, how should we calc how should we allocate our uh, compensation budget? Which is a huge topic every year in in all uh, like compliment functions. I think that through AI dev that a kind of allocation will be done better. I think it will be done much quicker and more accurate in the end. Like anal the analytics of okay, how do we pay people together with the pay transparency? I think AI can have a, a great role in in that, uh, making our making people like myself better at what we do, providing better analytics, providing better support to, to the organization, doing compensation in a better way, I would say. Um, I, I see it as if you have like more time to focus on your strategic aspects rather than spending time on like the admin stuff, like in case of an RSU, for example, granting, investing, like if that can be automated. Yeah. And, you know, you can spend a lot more time on the the actual um, equity strategies, uh, I think, which is going to make it much more easier for comp and bank people and the senior management and the employees, like everybody, like more accuracy there. So, Yeah, but um, it, would it take jobs? Probably, because we don't need to do the all the admin things around it, so which will probably save us time and you can, as you say, spend time on, on different things. Yeah. And so Tobias, um, a last thing from my side is around if somebody wants to start working in comp and ben area or is already working in this space, what do you see as like the top skills that they should start working on? Like we spoke a lot about communications earlier, but then um, like hard skills. So from, from a content perspective, like what kind of skills should they start focusing on to be like a rock star in this area? Being able to see like see the the connections in in Compenben. I would say that to learn like quite a quite a bit around a lot of topics so that you look at the entire Compenben spectra. It's like you do if you want to be in a in a senior position in compensation and benefits that you can see then then that you don't okay my speciality is is equity and I can do everything within equity or I can do everything within the job structure. I'm fantastic with doing job structures and, and those kind of analysis. If you want to do, if you want to have more of a senior role, I would say that you need to learn a little bit about job structures and compensation bands. You need to know a little bit around uh, equity. You need to learn a little bit around benefits, a little bit around pensions. So you're able to see the bigger picture um, and then, of course, that you can be an expert within, you'd be stronger in job structures or stronger within equity compensation or whatever it might be. But trying to be very curious and know, okay, executive compensation. How do we do executive compensation? How do we do a compensation review? So I would, my advice would be trying to get an overall understanding of the entire compensation area uh, and be very very open to that uh, yeah. and take on so take on a role as compensation benefits specialist being involved in different areas because so you're able to learn the, the full spectrum of it um i think that that would be my and have a very you need to like to be some sort in the middle and have a lot of com like a lot of 
connections with different stakeholders. Like you have everyone from like maybe like please. all over the place, from the lowest paid employee to the CEO, who's usually the highest paid employee. You have you need to enjoy having that kind of uh, communications with everyone and yeah. be generally interested in 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 each and every one of the, the employees of the company. Of course, you will have more to do with certain stakeholders than the entire company, but to really like to to be that person who has connections with well finance with legal with uh, 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 sales because you might need to do sales commissions and understand the the product that they are selling because you need to do okay this is our commissions structure you need to be able to okay marketing okay how they usually have bonus how do they uh, how do I speak to, to marketing that I would say to 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 develop the like. Uh, knowledge around the full spectrum of, of compensation and benefit and also liking the like being in the middle and uh, being able to talk to everyone yeah i mean i totally agree like i cannot agree more it's like a lot of stakeholder management that you do and uh you have to be comfortable with that because it's like people will reach out to you for like the most basic questions and the most complicated stuff and uh you should be able to handle all of that and i think one i just would want to add like one advice that you gave me during our uh, conversation which was around you know like looking at the right things so basically like how i see it is that because you are dealing with like so many people from so many areas things that might be important to like one stakeholder might not be important to the other stakeholder so there's no there's no like one thing works for everybody you have to be able to kind of step into the shoes of the person who is asking for some kind of information and then see like what's important for them like what are they actually trying to get out of this information and then i think that that like that basically customizes your input to those people which becomes much more relevant for them then otherwise it's just passing on like data you know but then how do you customize it to like individual people and what questions to ask i think that becomes like a super important skill as well yeah, I fully agree, and that that's one of the things that I enjoy with, like getting to know people. And as I said, like you need to be able to speak to everyone in the in the company, and that really goes into that. That okay, how do I speak to someone in marketing, um, who have the most prominent title that anyone has ever had? Because marketing is usually very creative, also when it comes to their own titles, um, yeah, which is fun. Uh, okay, how do I? like tailor my communication, tailor my way of uh, of providing information to this person in order to have the most like successful kind of partnership. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think it has been a super wonderful conversation, Tobias. Um, a lot of things that you've shared today is like so relevant to, you know, how we work and how we do stuff and what's going to happen in the future. I'm sure it's going to be like super valuable for anybody who listens to it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been uh, I it's these questions are always fun to to discuss and um, if someone can learn something that's um, just fun. Hi everyone. I hope you had fun listening to the session and could take away something interesting for yourself as I did for myself. If you like the content, subscribe to it and if you have any feedback, reach out to us directly via LinkedIn. Or feel free to write in the comments below and I will have a look. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a nice day.